anger, sexual lust, the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. Magnifico. Okie dokie, as they say in my, uh, oh, I got a, I got a pop filter for my microphone to cut oh, back on? On, on the plosives. Um, yeah, less pops. Better I've, for your teeth. I've been trying to do this thing where not, where I, when it comes to audio and video stuff that I do, not doing the bare minimum. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> for my own stuff i had forgotten what that was like I, pu- I put my whole ass into all the stuff for zero but yeah um in terms of having respect for myself oh no no i don't need why would i do that um <laughs> which is why oh speaking uh which is why i don't know we'll put we can put this in wherever but uh, um we got all of the uh patreon stuff worked out um to where the patreon there's a there's a premium rss feed and i need to tell listeners about that um so they can know that it's finally done and they should give us money to get access to bonus episodes and also the bonus feed that is phenomenal and also it must be said that is all kyle's doing i still don't totally understand what an rss feed is uh, I'm old enough that I should know, but I, I missed I missed that one. So, I'm not going to rotate that PDF, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's a uh, um, yeah. We don't do a great job at uh, plugging things, but uh, something that we've actually been doing is putting out a bonus. Um, unless you make it to the very end of the regular episodes, there's a bonus. Um, uh, tidbit not tidbit you know there's a bonus 30 to 45 minutes for every regular episode that's released you can get it on patreon.com slash agab pod and um, yeah you have your own um, private podcast feed now so you don't have to jump back and forth to listen to premium episodes on soundcloud or whatever wherever you like to put your podcasts you can uh, listen to bonus episodes on there so thank you for waiting for that um that it sounds really good, time. actually. I should probably learn how to do this for the podcasts that I listen to. <laughs> I, I know uh, because how, I do yeah. find myself jumping back and forth, and it's like, this, there has to be a better way. <laughs> there has to be a better way, and it turns out there is. <laughs> that's fucking, that's really good. Uh, see, we're on it. Kyle's on it. I'll take, like, uh, 30% credit in general. Uh, I didn't do anything, though, uh, on this fee. one. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, finder's fee. <laughs> Sweet. Well, you are listening to a gab. All gamers are bastardarinos. Uh, I'm your host, Kay. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't really know what an RSS feed is, but I, I know some other things, probably. Ask me about it sometime. Maybe I'll tell you a secret. Uh, and I'm joined, as always, by the the tech wizard ew 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 uh, of our podcast <laughs> i wanted to say that as a joke but it 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 was ash on my tongue i couldn't do it uh Yucky. it's kyle what's up kyle yucky ew. 
yucky. Not good. <laughs> not good. At, I am very analog. Um, but no, I'm I'm doing well. I am. Uh, um, I've uh, locked myself in a room uh, with a micro uh, a microphone, a computer, and uh, a, a saw like contraption that won't let me out until I figure out whether or not um, the Grand Theft Auto Six trailer is terrible because it's uh, woke and gay, or if it's because <laughs> it's um, violent degeneracy that's poisoning the mind of children. Like I'm a fucking Tipper Gore, or I, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I wanted to fucking talk about. <laughs> I am in love with how cynically every like weird right wing crank on the internet has been like, oh, new GTA, we need something on this. Um, and so you know, often in contradiction to their own views held mere days prior on on other topics they're all very like <laughs> don't show me hot women this is all very immoral uh, my favorite one has been people um I, I think ian miles Chong may have participated in this as well he's a, one of the classics yeah um uh is pretending that they never shoot police in these games and being like, oh, yeah, no, I, I didn't finish GTA 5 because I wouldn't shoot the cops. It's like, that's, when will the woke... That's a lie. Literati... Will, when will the woke mob at Rockstar put in a salute button so I can salute every police officer that I see? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, awesome. There's, there's no thank you for your service button. Um, <laughs> <laughs> liberals? Press F uh, to pay your respects to the police <laughs> in GTA <yeah>. 6. Uh. <laughs> oh, fuck. It's so awesome. Truly conservatism is the the counterculture of the 21st <laughs> the century. It is truly it's the, the new, new punk, punk rock. rock. Absolutely. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can't decide whether, yeah, it's like the asses are too big, um, which is not allowed. Jesus did not talk about ass size in the bible and therefore these things games are always terrible or um there's a woman yep um and the fact that the woman exists means that it's it's woke gender pronoun ideology and thus um <laughs> yeah uh, there's too many i saw that there's too many black and brown people in the uh the game that's based off of miami and I'm here to tell you. Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell y'all a little bit about the state of Florida, um, as always. <laughs> well, first of all, GTA is going back to Florida. Um, a smart choice, um, obviously. I mean, that is the place for it. Come on. Is yeah. If there's any place for a Grand Theft Auto to be, um, I know most people mean this to say negative things about Florida, and as always, I mean the exact opposite. Um, uh, my my beautiful homeland. Um, the uh the place of my birth there's a lot of direct references to florida there was someone who looked like a, i think they like just put the rapper kodak black in the game uh because mm -hmm. he looks so much like kodak black there is a um but yeah all of it is uh evil and degenerate yeah the cop thing was pretty funny that's got to be the funniest reaction i think there's been like 50 different like the most sort of like reaction like multipolar if you will <laughs> reaction mm -hmm. 
to this trailer no one can seem to know what it is which is great it truly means that culture is finally breaking for good um, i'm excited to, I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm excited to see what happens next no one it's agree- gonna be great yeah everyone hates every everything for di- everyone agrees for different reasons about everything and i'm like that's healthy and good it's- a lot of these guys should love this because like a lot yeah. of the women in this were there as sex objects yes like let, let's be real that that's what's going on and they love that they get mad when people try to pull women out of that sphere like that's you know, they don't just get angry at women in video games. They get angry at women that are there for anything other than their enjoyment in video games. Um, and, and that's what those ones were there for. But they're just just generally mad at women on a conceptual level now. Yeah. And that seems, I mean, first of all, that seems very healthy and good. Um, and also, I think, is going to work out well for them in their personal lives in the long term. So I'm, <laughs> I'm for it. I support this. Yeah. I think my t- the two things that come to mind um, most of all um, is one like all these you know um, stupid you know internet poison bros just don't want to see a girl boss win, aka do crimes. Uh, can a girl like women can't now when women can't do crimes in a video game also, and it without it being quote unquote woke, geez, um, <laughs> all these bros. And uh, the other thing is, I would like to see Ian Miles Chong fight the City Girls or some other sort of like impossibly cool rap group from South Florida. Um, oh fuck yeah! I mean, I would just like to see evidence that Ian Miles Chong has left his house. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> As always, you, we have to the reminder. Everyone, everyone who listens to this knows this about him. I'm sure and knows who this is, but he, I do not think, has ever. He's never been to the United States, right? Uh, not as far as I know. <laughs> he pretends, he definitely, obviously acts like he lives here. He lives in Malaysia. He does not live here. He does not know anything about the United States. Um, and he will often say we, as in white <laughs> Westerners. And people will be like, bitch, who is we? Man, yeah, who are you talking about, man? <laughs> what, are you, what are you up to? <laughs> I love him. He's he's one of the freaks that I, I have a, a strange affection for because he's so like he's been in this like kayfabe of his weird like right wing grift for so long that I I get the impression he forgets that he is not in fact a white American. Sometimes yeah, it becomes so, it like it it says something about like like the manufacturing of like a an internal authenticity. It's very honestly, it's very like woke lib, you know, girl power, like speak, feel your truth, like, you know, you know, be yourself. I feel like he's just encouraging everyone to be himself. It's like watching, you know, uh, um, <laughs> it's like watching Glee. You know, it's like it's like the, you know, he's not any different than the people that uh, he criticizes for being too, I don't know for having too many pronouns or whatever. I don't even know what any of these people are mad about anymore these days. It's all just, just kind of weird individual oh, petty grievance politics. Whatever um, has upset them most recently in their personal lives or um, whatever they think will get the most attention is what they're mad about those, at that's any literally given point. Just a ba- I have a baby and that's literally just what babies do. That's really funny. I mean, yeah, it's I know, pretty much yeah. like a baby, like a racist baby, <laughs> like a big racist baby, yeah, big racist baby. Um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. We taught babies to be racist and then paid them to keep doing it, I guess. 
We taught babies um, to be racist on the internet. <laughs> uh, I am happy to see a return to Miami, though, uh, because a few nights ago, a guy told me I had, and I quote, Miami Vice Riz. Um, whatever that means. So, I think this is the game for me. Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. You were wearing well, a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Did the day end in Y? What's up? I just uh, also like, in work settings, I've taken to wearing like a suit jacket with it, kind of. Um, so cool. And I, I do look a bit like a Miami cop love, uh, who drinks I, on the job. It's good. I had never put like like had being from Florida, even like the Hawaiian shirt had never been put on back on my radar in a way until you and I met in person for the first time, <laughs> and there was there was a person walking toward me wearing a hawaiian shirt and i'm like oh that's <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, we're there with john i'm there with the lit crit guy <laughs> and i look yeah. up and i'm like oh that's <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i, I, I recognized you be? immediately <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know that was awesome <laughs> my um you know obnoxious non-binary way of dressing has a unique power in england especially i think where people are just they're they're baffled they're baffled by this behavior in a way that, you know, probably in Miami, it wouldn't be as weird. Uh, Alton from uh, some other podcast, uh, he, of course, lives in Hawaii. And uh, according to him, people will wear that like to office jobs. And it's it's quite normal. Oh, that's awesome. uh, there. I, I think that rocks. Uh, but in England, in England, it's no, no one does this. So I'm I'm <laughs> just being difficult with fashion. That's what it's for. Yeah. You know what? Listen, it's, if if my fucking it. colleagues are gonna take me to fucking cishet drinking establishments, I'm gonna dress like a freak. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, what am I supposed to? What am I supposed to do? Wear like a raincoat and a a, a gentle disposition, like a weird Britoid? No, thank you. I'm good. Wear I'm, a fucking I'm, the I'm the the one North Face jacket that fucking sixty percent of the country wears. Fucking. Did I complain <laughs> about British hamburgers on our podcast or uh, if just do it again? The food in this country is reprehensible. Fucking okay. hit me with it. Yeah, I, I'll start with I'll do the compliment sandwich. Right. It was my first time in the UK and one of my first time, my first time anywhere um, on like that in that part of the world and my second time leaving the country. Um, so I like, obviously I like, I'm open-minded. Yes, I'm going to Brighton, but you know, like I, I'm like, I'll even be able to find some magic in Brighton and then I'm coming back up and I'm going to Manchester. I have a day in London. I was too tired. I don't remember what London was like. Um, that's for the best. So, you know, I'm, I'm seeing friends in person for the first time who I've known for years. The first person I see who's not a stranger is Adam, our friend, friend of the pod, um, Hell yeah. Adam from Acid Verizon. Um, I got to hang out with a bunch of really great people. Sean from Weird Signal, and uh, yeah, the yeah, the real co- like so you know I'm I'm primed and ready to go. I can you can you can and uh, that of course was all that goodwill was spent um, on all of the various pubs that we went to, which were fucking awesome. There was a million of oh, them, yeah. and they were all great. Um, and that was about that was as good as it was way oversold to me and it was as good as everyone said it was and i'm like god that's (laughs) the thing that's doing it for me right now is being able to drink in these places i got drunk a lot in the uk and that was probably 
Yeah, the, the pubs and the drinking culture, it's like the one thing about this country that deserves any any praise. It's, it's yeah. great. Like honestly, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. <laughs> However, I did in one of those pubs eat one hamburger oh, dear. that was mine tasted something closer to oh you're Canadian, you'll understand this. A hockey puck. Uh, <laughs> Thank it you resemb- for keeping it culturally helpful. <laughs> yeah. I try to be culturally sensitive. Yeah. Um uh, it, <laughs> uh in shape and consistency and color. Um that was probably the worst hamburger I've ever had in my entire life. And I'm just like, yeah, I can't I have had a the few times that I've left the country, I've had a hamburger each time and it has been dog shit every time. I immediately mm-hmm. become like a like a evil imperialist about like one thing. Listen, you're not going to beat the Americans, uh, I, I or I would say, or the Canadians on on hamburgers. You know, you're yeah. you're called American cheeseburgers for a reason. Yeah, that's yes. what it, that's what it's about. That's the <sighs> good stuff. Uh, no, don't come to don't come to England and have hamburgers. Do not have fish and chips because like. English people will freak the fuck out when you say this to them, but you can get way fucking better fish and chips in America and oh, Canada. Yeah. Easy, easy. Fish and chips here is not that good. But I actually think that the Indian food here is pretty oh, fucking man. solid a lot of the time. I highly it's recommend it. So good. That, that was the first good meal that I had when I was in the UK was I was by myself and I was bored and hungry and I stopped in an Indian place and I had it was incredible. It's very good. Absolutely. Shout out to the British Raj. Yep. Uh, financiers <laughs> of the pod. Those the sponsors of Agab, as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that rules. Um, I love bringing uh, North Americans to this country and just showing them the food and watching the despair that washes over them. That's kind of becoming a hobby of mine, actually. <laughs> yeah, watching the life like leave someone's body. Um, yeah, because you think like you know how bad can a hamburger get, but then you see, you see. Well, I think that we've covered all the important stuff. We've covered the British food is fucked up. We've covered that uh, right wingers are scared of titties or whatever. They love the police. They're scared of titties and love the police. I think that's yeah. who they are. Kind of those two things are probably connected in some way. But that's you know that's for the Freudians to. To figure out really besides the game that uh, uh we're here to talk about today did did we talk about Baldur's gate on the last episode we did briefly we did briefly uh, i've been playing more of that um i also have played um or I, i've been playing i've not had a lot of time so i'm not very far in but this game called small saga have you heard of this no i've not um Okay, I don't remember. I think I might have talked about it on the other pod, but I, I don't fucking remember. So I'm just going to do it again. Um, Small Saga is uh, it's sort of like a classic turn-based RPG. It just came out of... Um, uh, I don't think it was even in early access. I think just a demo was out, and now it's fully released just um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, it's it's really good. Like The writing has been really good, and the premise is really wonderful. Uh, it's kind of Redwall-esque, you know, they're sort of like humanized mice and, and animals and stuff. Um, but in a world with humans, uh, seemingly set, you know, in fairly just like a modern, normal setting. Uh, and uh, the whole thing is that sometimes these animals come upon uh, what they call god weapons, which are usually 
uh, like steel weapons that humans have made. So your character, he's kind of a guts from Berserk kind of guy. He's got the, like the big anime sword, but it's like a tiny pocket knife. Um, and it's that. just it's the strongest shit because it's you know it's a steel fucking knife, uh, and he's fighting like rats and stuff. Um, I think one character has like a nail or something. Uh, it's it's very funny um, and, and cute, and uh, I'm I'm into it. It's a good vibe. You should play it. Uh, there's a very frightening antagonistic presence, which is just like a house cat, and they do a really good job of of selling it as this extremely upsetting entity. Um, and I think it rules. Uh, and unlike Redwall, it's not about um, Christianity so much. <laughs> so <laughs> step in the right direction. Yeah, it's about <laughs> other things. Yeah, I mean, so far, so far, it hasn't really been Arthurian at all. Um, uh, yeah, what have you been playing? Uh, what have I been playing? Uh, um, I have been playing. Oh, because <laughs> speaking of children. Not as much uh, as I as I usually would, but there is. Um, I think I think it's the first time on the podcast I've talked about my love for ROM hacking in general, but Hell yeah. partic- particularly in like the Pokemon series. Yes, uh, they're like you know they've taken the sort of very simple um, formula of those games and made them very difficult. Oftentimes they're like they are the same sort of like linear story. They just sort of like amp up the difficulty or they remake make an entirely new story, an entire entirely new game. Um, but I've recently been playing a ROM hack that's been getting a lot of traction called Pokemon Emerald Rogue. It is Ooh. Pokemon Emerald with a common it that is basically put into a roguelite kind of construction you start a run you start you get one starter pokemon and then you start a run uh, and your goal is to get eight badges beat the elite four and then beat the uh, rival fight at the very end and then um the like final final battle like that's normally against red in those games um so you have to go through basically these different it set it sets it all up for you. You go through these different sort of ra- randomly generated areas um and then with you know various choices that you can make, you can go on different types of paths that are going to have and then you catch pokemon on the way and build a team at each time fresh as you go. And the oh, further dude, that you get, sounds so good. <laughs> it's it's the it's all I've been playing because I don't really I can't really have time to play anything else, but also because it's all I kind of feel like <laughs> playing right now because yeah. I've been on an, I've been on an emulator on my phone, so I just pull out my phone and I pull up the emulator and that feels just like the side like it's amazing how close to a Game Boy it honestly kind of feels like it's not the same it's a touchscreen but like you know I it's I just basically pull it up and sit there and play Game Boy on my phone um that specifically that game a run can take anywhere from like in my experience an hour and a half to like two and a half hours and it it has a save function oh and the game itself it has built-in nuzlocke features so if your pokemon faints it disappears from your party um it uh, has level caps for each like before each gym that you have to fight so it and it also has quick leveling so you every time every battle you gain three levels at a time so you don't have to spend any time grinding um it's kind of fixed all the things about pokemon that aren't fun 
um if yeah. you've played it a million times and then adds a whole like degree of difficulty that like it rules it is free <laughs> and like you can play it anywhere at any time um if you can put an emulator on your phone and uh i so it is it's such a good rom hack it is so well made it really is um i highly recommend i'm, I'm it. putting it in the chat so i remember to go get it later <laughs> it really is it's so good and then like once you finish a run then you unlock new modes and you can like you're ba- you're playing pokemon on emerald the whole time but it has like a mode that has up through gen 8 or something like that sick all right well listener you've got your homework uh which is video games There's blood. That's how it's always been, 621. Hell yeah, alright. Well, today's game is going to be Armored Core 6, The Fires of Rubicon, which I think is maybe my favorite Armored Core. I've not played some of the earlier ones, but I I did really adore um, For Answer back in the day. Um, this one does a few things I'm iffy about, but there's some ideas in here I really want to get into. I've been reading a lot of environmental historians lately and thinking about this game in relation to that, um, because honestly, a lot of them are kind of fucking annoying, um, and I want to bully them as well. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, are you, uh, have you played a lot of Armored Cores? Are, Are you, uh... Are you new to the series? Are you an Armored Core veteran? Um, a weird um, secret third thing. So I had a friend growing up who was really into models and models like mostly planes. His dad was like a military guy. I didn't talk to his dad all that much. I knew his mom really well. He was a neighbor of mine. He lived a street over from me. We used to walk to school together. He was also really into... Gundam Wing and Armored Core. And this was when there were only two okay. Armored Core games, I believe. Um, right. My only experiences at all with Armored Core actually are the years, the couple of years that I spent with him in like middle school and early high school and uh, Armored Core, now Armored Core 6. So I was familiar with the. Um, you know, shoulder shoulder button control, uh, armor early armored core games, which were which I which I yeah. thought were great, by the way, because I was also very mm-hmm. into Mobile Suit Gundam and Gundam Wing. Gundam Wing was Hell Gundam yeah. Wing was on Cartoon Network at the time. Toonami was Dragon Ball Z, Gundam Wing, and then like I like an Outlaw Star or a Cowboy Bebop was airing on Cartoon Network, and I watched it on TV. Um, it's wow. a whole generation of people got into anime through early Toonami on Cartoon Network, which was yeah, the other yeah. after school thing. Yeah, so I got into the sort of like, was ex- exposed to the sort of like cultural idea of like science fiction technology through Mobile Suit Gundam. And yeah, some Armored Core, which was great. I rented it from Blockbuster Video um, as well. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if any of us are familiar with that. 
and yeah, that's a uh, that's a that's about the degree. And then it just completely fell off the radar radar for me until this title, which came highly recommended by everybody that I know. I really, I, honestly, I really liked it. I liked what I could tell of the. You know, I don't know when the sort of control scheme and the overall function and the feel of the game changed with this one or ones before it. Um, I think it's certainly. Um... I would say that this game was the biggest break in terms of of mechanics okay. and general game feel, I guess. Uh, one thing it did that I'm still not sure how I feel about is the stagger mechanic, because mm-hmm. it's very Sekiro. It's very kind of their other games. Um, and yes. it does put you into a bit of a corner in terms of builds where you need to break you you need something to break poise and then something to do burst damage after you've broken poise whereas i, I do feel like in in previous games there was a lot more freedom because you didn't have to worry about doing that you just had to get through shields and just bust them up um and it, that's it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I'm not one of those people who thinks that restrictions in games are always bad, and you should just be able to have the most fucking options no matter what. I think that's a often a very poor design philosophy, but uh, it it is noticeable that you have to build around this mechanic in a very dramatic way. Um, but other than that, it's really fucking good. I think. Uh, I think it feels incredible to play. Um, there hasn't been one of these in, um, oh God, hold on. I'm going to quickly Google when four answer was, I never played five. Um, five wasn't, people didn't really like it. So the last one I played was 2008. Mm. Um, and armored core five was 2012. So it has been a good decade since we've seen one of these. Um, and I, so it, it's not a new thing in these games to have its kind of, you know, isn't the, the sci-fi techno capitalist future kind of fucked up, <laughs> you know, that, that's a pretty, that's a pretty prominent through line, at least in every armored core that I've played. I've not played them all. Um, but this one I thought took a very fun angle, um, in that it, it it's exploring appropriately, I would say, these questions of resource extraction and maybe how to think about the environment itself under these conditions of extreme extraction. Mm-hmm. Like, the Rubicon Liberation Front are just eco-terrorists, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there's an interesting twist that I actually really want to get into. Uh, you know, spoilers for the game here. But the um, uh oh god, what's what's the what's the red stuff called? I can't remember. Coral. Coral, yeah, duh. Uh, the coral is like people. Um, I, I feel like it's a little vague on how this comes about, but there's like human consciousnesses, um, who were the previous residents, I suppose, of Rubicon. Before there was a, a pretty serious coral explosion, which I guess if you die in it, you become part of it or something like that. Um, and I think that's a really resonant, but also kind of difficult idea 
because it makes you think of workers that die extracting resources like miners ah, is a very obvious one a subject that it, i am particularly enthusiastic about yeah well fuck let's 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 get into that there's other aspects of this i want to i want to get onto as well as it goes on but yeah i mean one um, immediate reading that comes to mind is definitely you know this thinking of uh you know coal or oil or whatever as literally like embodied by the lives that were destroyed to get it uh and this is that in a very literal sense which is i think a pretty a pretty strong statement that you almost have to make in a series that has already established itself as like no the 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 future with the cool robots is shit and it sucks to be in um and there's lots of stuff in the background about eugenics and stuff especially if you talk to the vesper dickheads um but I, I definitely think most of the meat on the bone here is around coral itself. So what do you what do you make of all well, that? Well, I think that's I think you're right. There's like there's a there's this almost like sort of funny macro continuity between this game and Elden Ring as like this like it's sort of defining a like a a a, a life altering life as people know it altering substance interpreting it in these two different contexts um both being bad um uh, the thing you mm -hmm. think would be cool it would not be cool it's actually bad but that's the cool part <laughs> this sucks actually. yeah exactly like the the world of the you know world of gods you know pulled from the imagination of the medieval period or whatever with all the magic and all the stuff like that would suck ass. Um, you would get eaten by a dog in five seconds. Um, <laughs> It'd be a fucked up dog. Too, <laughs> a really suck. fucked up looking dog. Um, its head is too big. <laughs> in the case of armor core, for, like coral is a really interesting sub substance. I tried to define it. I wrote an instinctive neural net. Nor, nor, <laughs> fuck off. An instinctive <laughs> neural network composed of augmented human consciousness that resembles a natural resource. So it's like, mm -hmm. like there, what it just as you're alluding to, or not alluding to, just as you're directly describing its connection to the idea of, you know, the 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 more intimate nature between injury and resource production, like it just kind of like it's it, it it creates this kind of like complicated exemplification of it but that's actually when you think about it really simple just in the same in the same thing just just like grace from elden ring right like that's and that feels like mystical and complex and difficult but really is just like it's a human sacrifice machine that's taken the resemblance of resource production and in, in sort of the British context, something really emerges in the 19th century where people, well, not people, uh, but newly emerging uh, like public health boards and hygienists uh, start really butting heads with doctors mm -hmm. because doctors are saying, hey, a lot of my patients are developing respiratory illnesses and this and that. Uh, obviously because of exposure to like runoff from alkali factories, exposure to fucked up dust and just tons of coal smoke in these industrial environments. And this entire like medical industrial apparatus really appears quite rapidly <clears throat> to 
construct this narrative where it's it's always the workers' fault. They just were being reckless, or the, you know they're complaining uh, over nothing. And to and doctors, I mean, you know, we've got we've got lots of stats and spreadsheets, and doctors they're coming to us with you know the subjective experience of the patient. That's gay and not real science. <laughs> Uh, it was, you know, because everyone's really huffing that enlightenment. You know, we are rational. We're doing everything scientifically. Um, and that means like uh, that we're positivists. That means everything has to be broken down to data points. Otherwise, it's not real. Um, and, and so we we do see this very interesting period where doctors are really not being taken seriously as as people talking about, like, you know, the health of, of working class people because it's not. You know, in order for these uh, these human experiments that are happening in these factories to be carried out, to really see how much they can get out of a worker without killing them, um, the doctor's in the way of that because he's concerned about you know annoying things like you know is is this guy going to live in the long term, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and I think that's definitely. Those sorts of medical questions, I think, are really on the mind of Armored Core in general. Um, there is this through line of like different levels of genetic engineering, and there's clearly quite a, 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 a caste system attached to it. Uh, I don't remember which generation your character is. It's I feel like it's kind of somewhere in the middle, and. Uh, you there is a Vesper like the the boss of the Vesper is called Snail, who is a prick and he's like uh, you know he's a more advanced generation and it's heavily implied that incredible amounts of literal human experiments go into creating these new generations of of modified people who are then just used uh, for combat basically it's it's a really interesting way of, of thinking about the fact that in order to create an effective soldier basically like what do you have to destroy in in the background that kind of gets erased and i think that's a really interesting question as well especially in a more kind of fantastical setting where you're maybe not invited to think about like you know how do you how do you produce a mech pilots who's what what goes on there it's you know it's interesting how in science fiction environments like I think for for um, a, a kind of genre fiction that in the past has been so like you know well it has a has a sort of has always had a critical edge that kind of built into it as genre fiction does even if even if genre fiction is conservative like I've talked about no, noir yeah. fiction like what I talked about on the last episode uh, noir fiction as this kind of like you know it uses its uh, sort of B movie or be like pulp novel quality to actually care with it carry with it interesting political typically conservative um arguments um science fiction has its has its edge dulled all the time now to where it's just kind of like ideology is implied it's which is the most ideological sort of like way to present genre fiction is that you know oh actually the perfect comparison just jumped into my head a profoundly ideological and deeply evil and also very good movie the top gun maverick uh is that is that is that the sequel that was the name of the sequel Yeah, yeah yeah so that movie was great and again evil evil seeds of empire devil devil movie but it was 
very interesting and i thought the most interesting part about it was the unnamed enemy they were pilots that you couldn't see they could have been fucking aliens or robots like it's supposed to be the chinese like it like it's probably supposed to be the chinese but like the enemy in this movie is like removed of all identity where like 10 years ago it probably would have been like Kaida or something like you know they they might as, they really might as well be like it's funny that they put out another independence day i never saw that um but they might as well be oh yeah they, they might as well be aliens in the top gun film because it's just like it has all of the quality in the character of like a political point of view like it's a nation versus something but that something is so poorly defined in the interest of preserving the kind of like neutrality that it becomes even more ideological. And that's much yeah. more, that's I think the usual experience of like science fiction these days. Um, like that's actually closer to how it's depicted. And that's all just to say, that's not this game. This game is, does the literary thing where it carries with it a, 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 a heavy and very, well understood kind of criticality of the things that it's depicting you know again again tech tech mech future actually bad um goes so far to make the things that it's saying or and in, in often depicting too because like there's a lot of di- it's not like you know elden ring there's a lot of dialogue and like you learn mm-hmm. a lot about the world and like you're able to sort you always know who you're fighting yeah. because you are a mercenary so you take jobs for all of these different groups yeah. in in the early game and so if you find yourself on the other side of the battlefield you you know what they want and who they are and that makes a huge difference yeah. um it's it's just very profound um storytelling that way um I like it, it carries with it a kind of like heaviness um, while also making me look like a total dumbass because I'm like just still just like a like smashing <laughs> like figurines together like I'm s- seven years old or whatever because it's so yeah, you fun. hit them with the Zimmerman so they stagger you take out the pile bunker you fucking bash them. Easy. So fun. It's very <laughs> That's fun. how you solve space capitalism. That's, yeah, that's exactly how you solve space capitalism. <laughs> There's another aspect of the coral I want to get into a bit, uh, which pertains to the way that a lot of environmentalists and certainly academics around uh, environmental topics, um, they, they've been... One of the the strategies, I guess, of getting people to care about the environment has been to humanize nature, mm. um, which I'm very against uh, because I, I mean, on, on the one hand, because I think it's disingenuous uh, and there's a lot of conversations um, amongst fucking nerds, basically, that uh, get into does nature have agency, basically, um, and to to me, the answer is no. Uh, but uh, a, a big part of the argument for that is the fact that nature can influence human activity. Um, but I, I think the the main argument against this is considering the the incredible impact that uh, anthropocentric man has on the natural environment. That it's it's somewhat preposterous to attribute agency to anything else, basically. Um, 
you know, the tide is going to do what the tide's going to do. But we, as as a civilization, can impact directly sea level fatalistic bullshit in the ocean fatalism you know fatalistic bullshit the liberal black pill i hate it yeah wrong not how yeah. things work sorry you're right no <laughs> I, I i totally i totally agree yeah. because that's that's what that train of thought leads to um and it's i i've i've been reading a lot of environmental historians just for my degree and it's it's so it's one of those arguments that when you're reading it, you just keep asking, okay, so what, you know, like, where does this actually take us? Um, and very often the idea is just kind of proposed in this very smug sort of, um, you know, Oh, you, you human centric dummy thinking that we're so important. Look how like, you know, humbling and thoughtful this take is, uh, but it's it's just it's just obfuscating like actual important discussion I think about how we as a species are interacting and have interacted with the natural world, um, and so I got to thinking about that because coral is a, a, a prominent thing in the environment. There's Rubicon is mostly like wastelands of concrete and stone mm. and steel except for coral like rubicon is so like gray uh and then coral is this beautiful vibrant red like it is to me it, that is the natural world juxtaposed kind of with like man's world um and it's literally been given humanity uh which i find really interesting because uh, you know I, I think there's definitely a reading there that is all of my least favorite environmental historians being like, yeah, that's how we should be thinking about it. Um, which I think is, uh, I think is interesting because I, I'm, I'm not even convinced that people find that very compelling. I think people see that kind of as bullshit, you know, when they're like, yeah, you know, trees, animals, they're basically like people. I think most people intuitively are like, no, nah, I think, I think that's probably not true. <laughs> I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about all I that? I think, like, first of all, there's this kind of, like, when I say liberal, I have to obviously mean in the sort of, like, contemporary political sense rather than in the historical philosophical sense because liberalism sure. wouldn't, wouldn't agree <laughs> with that. It, was, it's the, would, it would be the yeah. opposite. And it's one of the things that moving through the uh, the sort of – philosophical period of liberalism in the liberal enlightenment that you know i think was fairly beneficial for the way that we look at the world um mm -hmm. which was that like we had to go through like you know we had to understand the way that like the function of man and natural world and to go through that sort of like romantic imagination of it at the end of the 19th century right in order to like you know reclaiming that from the aristocrats um who popularized it in the 19th century um, I think it was like at, for, for a while in the 20th century, something that was useful for working class people. And like, I think of someone like Eugene Debs or whatever, who has this very sort of like liberal romantic sort of position and who worked in within the context of like, um, not resource extraction, but like the logical end, the like rail railroad was the logical end of resource extraction in those days. So like, to I, I think it's actually this 
like very poor reversal of political position to then sort of like work your way back through those like forms of thought to like no it be it's all a kind of primitivist thing to me there's this thing that people there's this thing called rewilding that i've read about it's so fringe it's super fringe and i'm not trying to make i'm trying to like sort of say that this other stuff is a little more fringe just as you were saying like this is very fringe but like it feels like the same logical conclusion this idea that like you know it's about the failures of modernity sort of like necessity for the preservation to like it's it's kind of like i don't know it's in this weird sort of like naturalist territory that can get very eugenicist very quickly um also which is certainly which is one of the funny things about it um but no i just like what i think about all that is that you're right that what i like about the game in particular is that using coral you know we have coral in our world too that is an organism a large expanding sort of like multifaceted organism but using that within the context of of a natural resource encourages the antagonism like an antagonism in those ideas um and poses a like even if it's not like i don't know i think you're i think the sort of criticism that you're working out is something that's naturally posed by the way they made coral in the game and that that's good. So I think you've got to, I think this, you can get this on like the third time you play through the game. Um, I do like how the game is made to be replayed and like gives you really cool stuff on, on subsequent playthroughs. Uh, Like there's an early mission where you're hired to help some guys attack the wall. uh, And I forget if this is your second or third playthrough, this will start happening. Uh, you'll get a call, be like, hey, I'll fucking double your pay if you kill these dickheads that you're working with right, right. now. <laughs> um, and then that can put you on the path to working with like the Rubicon Liberation Front and, and you know, getting totally different sort of uh, perspectives on what's happening, which I really enjoy. Um, but the the final ending you can get, Coral is... As far as I can tell, I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck it is. Coral is released into space, and the consciousnesses within it uh, enter various, like, derelict armored core mechs that are just around on various planets. And they now inhabit those as bodies, basically, for their consciousness. I'm not... I'm I'm not sure if there's still a hive mind, maybe. Um, but uh, I I don't know. I'm 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 I've been trying to think of, of of what to make of that. I guess analytically, like it's it's an interesting all this fighting over this resource, and it can it can be sort of put in this state where it's now outside of anyone's grasp, kind of. Um, I don't know. Uh, if you ever, if you ever do find yourself, uh, playing the game that fucking much that you get that, uh, I would definitely be interested to hear what you think about, um, cause it's, I, I suppose it feels so incongruent with a lot of what the game is saying. It feels like such a, I'm not sure how to put it, but it, it feels almost too sci-fi for itself, mm. I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I think I think about the. I guess I like I did I did think a little bit about how the all mind, 
kind of represents this again all the all the sort of like forms of you know all the people sort of vying for influence in this universe like the all mind itself has its own kind of poses its own critique as this Mm. like humanity like the end of humanity as the infinite like the infinite choice in destination like the possibility for you know infinite expansion which is as a supposed to be you know the infinite possibility for choice as this like you know has its like you know like like what 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 like what like what if you know that's paired with this kind of like promise of infinity via this natural resource and to call it like which brings into question like you know capabilities if it is a natural resource but it it, like to to see to to introduce the possibility of infinite possibility or something like that is that like could that be fascism eventually if (laughs) that's always the kind of that's always the kind of the question that's looming in the background it's just like how okay we follow this to sort of its logical end and its sort of like chief desire of whatever political you know like whatever aspect of its politics are sort of like driving it toward its most logical success if you will does that turn out to be fascism it does for a lot of things um Mm -hmm. but i don't know there's some there's probably some i'd have to consult one of my smarter post-structuralist friends to talk about this game and the sort of oh there's a new kind of accelerationism that's popular with like silicon valley dickhead psychos um oh shit e excel e accelerationism you know they all have their own letters or whatever uh do i know anything about it no am i surprised (laughs) that it exists no does it kind of remind me of the polit the sort of imagination of the politics of some of the people in this game yeah does it sound like nick land like new nick land bullshit oh you betcha um so i don't know would love nick land's take uh, on armored core (laughs) six (laughs) friend of the pod (laughs) yeah he says we're he if nick land found out about agav he would just call us gay and chinese or something like that absolutely and he'd be correct (laughs) uh we're gay the chinese government funds our podcast what do you want yeah (laughs) um if i knew any uh mandarin then i'd probably have an answer to that question but i don't Mm -hmm. so um well we are approaching time to creep behind the paywall uh is there anything else you want to say about the armored core before we Um, go no it's great it's gonna end up on a year-end lists and things it's great and i enjoy it Oh, shit! How could I forget the most important thing about this game oh. <laughs> is that it's got my boyfriend That's in it. To say, yeah. It's got Rusty, I man! Kay's in love. Rusty is what I think everyone should aspire to be. <laughs> uh, you get a bit more of him in subsequent playthroughs when you go down the Rubicon Liberation Front uh, line of things, and he's he's just fucking awesome, man. He's so... I love how, like, shamelessly we're going to make a cool anime guy yeah. they were with him. Like, when he's shooting the big worm, every time he shoots the worm, he gets a cool little one-liner. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. He just calls uh, you buddy. 
he just calls you buddy That's awesome um and i'm choosing to read into that a lot <laughs> uh personally uh <laughs> Who, me? Oh, well, me yeah buddy? <laughs> we could be buds we could be buds yeah rusty fucking rocks uh every time every time he shows up I'm always like, fuck yeah, dude, yeah. let's go. This is my guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I he's he's just he's just great. It's it almost makes me think of uh, Kojima games in some ways. Like it's got no fucking irony to yeah. it. It is so sincere. Like the leader of the um, yeah, like uh, Michigan, the head of the Red Guns. He is exactly that guy. Fucking snail, the like uh, obvious white supremacist, like I'm the master race, genetically engineered freak guy mm. at the head of the Vespers. Everyone is such like a an archetype, just totally shamelessly like, yep, that's who that guy is. Um, and so for Rusty to be like cool anime boyfriend, uh, I think is very funny uh, and enjoyable. Yeah, he just says stay cool. Absolutely. This is a half-baked idea for me, but there's there's a through line here with Wolfenstein 2. Um, you spend most of Wolfenstein 2 in like the power suit of your dead comrade, mm-hmm. and you uh, and and BJ has a lot of internal sort of thoughts about that throughout the game that I find really compelling. And in this, you are you are wearing the call sign of the Raven, which is mm-hmm. this like. Again, you learn a bit more about this in sub- a subsequent playthroughs, but it's like a title that gets passed on from from pilot to pilot, and it's got all these... There's this whole almost institution behind it that you just get glimpses of, and there's all these implications about what that means. Uh, and I, I think that's really interesting, because you're a character involved in a fight that kind of has nothing to do with you. You know, you are you're wearing someone else's skin to engage with this world. Uh and I think that's that's uh, I hope that was an interesting little discussion behind the paywall. Uh, we're going to talk about probably so much dumber shit. Uh, I do want to talk about AI uh, being used to write essays um, behind the paywall because it's it's I sometimes you just see a problem coming your way and there's not much you can do to stop it. But you see it. Oh, you're looking at oh, it. It's, uh, it's it's inching towards. Yeah, you. it's here. We'll we'll definitely get into it. I know. I know. Yeah, I know this. Absolutely. Uh, so join us behind the paywall if uh, you're a big cash money supporter um, of of the only podcast about video games. For everyone else, uh, you can find me on the internet. Uh, my link tree will be down in the description. You follow me on Twitter. This is fucking YouTube videos. At some point, uh, there will be an Oppenheimer video. Uh, and we're going to talk about like Hindu religious texts. We're going to talk about nuclear weapons. It's going to be great. It's, it's all your favorite things. It's, it's what you come to me for. Those two things. Uh, where can they find you, Kyle? You can find me underneath the sea in an octopus's garden um, in the shade. And also... My man is raffy-pilled. Yeah, That's what's up. And in the description of this podcast. Mostly Agab... That's not it. Patreon.com slash agabpod for bonus episodes and a, a bonus feed, including... Yes, the- good remembering. That's that's where you go. It's... Uh, 
Yeah, no, and you you remembered also to promote the the Patreon feed at the beginning, uh, and I appreciate that because we don't do it much. Because if you do it too much, it's a bit unsavory. But if you don't do it enough, then you're just not telling your audience <laughs> what exists. It just feels kind of about actual. Co- it's not just it's it's not a nothing Patreon. There's actual bonus shit. You can there's extra yeah, there's stuff. Bonus shit. Every episode there's a bonus app attached to it, like an extra usually like 30, 40 minutes of discussion. Um so get in there uh we're gonna go do that now so goodbye all gamers are bastards Ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.